Where's my check? I cannot ask you to pay for a dinner you did not like. There is no check. Only this. My heritage is rich with the tradition of preparing and serving food for others. If someone has not enjoyed something I have served, then I must make amends. I bring you one very special fortune cookie for our most very special customers only. I hope it will please you and you will come back again. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our um, frustrated conversation about the little people of Kalini Woods uh, last week. Um, and then maybe you're like, you know what? I disagree with you. I'm going to get into my uh, toadstool UFO and fly away. And if you do, you know, I don't know how I downloaded this next episode, but good on you. Yeah, I, you came back because you knew that somehow we were right and you came back for more opinions about probably episodes that maybe you do want to watch so yeah. you know we're going to steer you in the right direction <laughs> yeah, yeah they're going to be like listen we need more uh talk about people urinating on uh, uh outside of bathrooms that's what we need that's that that's what will do us here right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh so everybody yeah welcome to strange highways this is the anthology based uh podcast in which we do watch the twilight zone in order um i always say in order but i realize that we've jumped around the timelines a little bit but we watched the original series all five uh seasons and we watched both uh seasons uh, the paramount plus uh, Jordan Peele produced ones and now we're into the eighties ones and we're into, um, uh, I don't know if we're even at the halfway point yet. <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a bit cause we're covering each segment as we go, but we're into, uh, the, the season one episode 14 segment C. So this is the last segment of episode 14, the misfortune cookie. Um, yeah. So, um, we, we talked about day and date. Was it two episodes ago? That's still where we're at with, um, you know, the things we talked about then cause it's still the same episode. Right. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, let's just get into who did what here. Okay, so to lead all of our uh, our folks off that worked on this, we got our director. It's uh, Alan Arkus, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Arkush. Arkush. I feel like that's yeah. something you go to a dispensary now and be like, hey, give me some of that Alan Arkush. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so some people may know this gentleman for working on uh, movies like Rock and Roll High School and Caddyshack 2. And, uh, but he also did some episodes of Heroes. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. It was pretty decent. It was a really interesting take on how the world uh, has superheroes in it. 
So yeah, so like uh, we'll talk about heroes in a second here, but yeah, he was actually he worked with Corman, like you mentioned, uh, with the New World Pictures. Met Joe Dante there. They would cut movie and TV trailers for Corman's films, so he got a lot of experience doing that. Uh, you know, and you mentioned Rock and Roll High School and Cash Act too. Heroes, he actually ended up working on, I think, a lot of the early season stuff and then the Heroes Reborn. If I remember correctly, and I probably don't, so everybody welcome to the show. When Heroes first came out, it was right, it was chasing um, the dragon that was um, the like Batman uh, Begins in the Dark Knight, where they wanted a more grounded like reality with with like people with powers or heroes. And I remember the first season being like pretty good. And then something happened. There was a writer's strike or something that happened the second season. And then like the wheels fell off. So I remember everybody having like a lot of hope and then it just kind of fell apart. Yeah. I, I watched probably about two seasons of heroes and that was interesting enough, but then it started going weird directions that it, I, I don't know. I just never finished it. And uh, obviously for Heroes Reborn, I didn't even touch it because I didn't finish Heroes. So. Yeah. So me neither did I. I just I, I had a problem with the series because I felt like it did like the fake cliffhangers where uh, you'd see a cliffhanger and then the beginning of the next episode, they'd show you something slightly different. I'm like, no, 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 no. You ended this one like a holy shit moment as opposed to, yeah, not quite. I'm like, you can't, you can't um, pull that punch week to week and expect people to keep like believing what you're being told. So the, the one, the one thing I will do still uh, uh, touch on after watching heroes that I, I remember clearly was save the cheerleader, save the world. Right. So yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's what I took away from it. <laughs> that's what I've learned. Yeah. That's, that's, um, and, and I, maybe they did. I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's our, our director. Um, who, who's our writer? All right, so we have two writers' credits on this. So the story is credited to Charles E. Fritsch. Uh, so this is the only story that uh, was adapted. Um, there, I mean, this is a writer that, for for good and bad, not really knowing his uh, his his output, uh, he was amongst a lot of different friends in this super group of like writers. Uh, he was really good friends with like Charles Balmont, uh, George Clayton Johnson. Uh, Ray Bradbury and so he was a you know he was amongst all of these incredible writers but I really don't know anything else of his oh good I'm I don't glad know that if you can actually, bring any light to this no you actually found more than I did I just I because he there wasn't a direct link on Wikipedia and then IMDB had this one credit and I was um, um I was a hack and a fraud and didn't go digging further but thank you for bringing up that he was in that that circle which I mean when you get to like the the hook of this that feels like, you know, I, I could certainly believe like there, there would be a Beaumont version of the story somewhere, right? Like in terms of like that kind of like, what if they all just kind of spitballed and talked about like weird shit? I could see that. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't he, know that. Yeah, he did, he did a lot of stories for like a lot of those sci-fi magazines and that. But there's really nothing I've found as far as like uh, like noteworthy stories. Maybe eventually we'll find some of this stuff being adapted here and there uh, because, again, he's been... He's credited for being friends with some of the best uh, prolific writers in the sci-fi community. So maybe we'll see something from maybe. him I mean, sooner or later. Maybe later. Cause I we think got so, this. so yeah, we got this one, right? So, and I don't know how much, um, a Rockney, uh, S O'Bannon adhered to the original story. I don't, I don't have any information about that, but you know, cool. I didn't, I didn't realize. Thank, thank you for that pull. That, that actually, uh, gives a little bit of, um, DNA, right. To the original series and, and some kind of tangential way. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, like you mentioned, yeah, the screenplay by O'Bannon. So, uh, we'll talk about him uh, a lot more to come. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, into our cast we go here. 
Uh, Elliot Gold uh, is the, the lead uh, lead actor in this. He plays Harry Folger. Uh, he was in Muppets Take in, ta- uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan. He was in the Shining miniseries. And then the, the credit that I recognized him from was he was in American History X. Yeah. So he did a lot of stage work in the 50s and 60s. Um, and then he would actually end up, one of his first films was a film called uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice from 1969, where he actually got a Best Supporting Actor nomination. He would go on to do Robert Altman's film MASH, uh, which went like, you know, that did gangbusters, right? And went on to become like, what is it? I think MASH as a TV series is still ongoing. You can't tell me otherwise. Um, and then um, uh, he did uh, 1973's The Long Goodbye, which was a neo-noir that uh, was recently discussed on Talk Without Rhythm. So people can go check that out for his neo-noir vimper. Um, hosted SNL six times. Uh, and he was um, the father of Ro- of, um, of uh, Ross and um, all the other, the, the, sister, the sister and friends, uh, Monica. Not Monica. Oh. Yeah, Monica. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he played the father there. So he has... Um, he has a pretty wide range in terms of like dramatic acting, but also being like known, be, being able to ham it up. And when you mentioned the Muppets take Manhattan, of course, like I, I, I like Elliot Gould a great deal. So when you see him, you know, you know, you're getting something from him. You know, like that sounds, that sounds really reductive, but it's like, I think he understands what he brings to the table and he can be really like, especially like in the long goodbye he played um, uh, the character was a Philip Marlowe, I think, but he played it kind of like very sarcastic at times and very like, you know, snarky. And it was like, he had some good one liners in that. And I think he also can just like, you know, hit the switch and become very dramatic. So, you know, like I, I like, I like Elliot Gould. And in this, like he brings enough um, um, venom at times that you're like, I don't like this guy, which is the point. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to bounce between those. Um, but yeah, so uh, next here we have Bennett Go- o- Ota. He plays Mr. Lee. Uh, he was in Missing in Action 2, and he was uh, in Gold- The Golden Child, which uh, today marks the anniversary of that, the release of that film, too. So I thought that was fun. Also, as of this recording on um, earlier in the week, so we're just uh, <clears throat> everybody pretend when you listen to this on Friday that it's earlier than that. I don't know. Anyway, so okay. Uh, yeah, I like that he was in um, uh, Missing in Action to the beginning, which was actually the first film shot. Um, and then um, and then they shot the next film, and everyone's like, oh, man, Missing in Action. Like, that second film's really good. And they're like, we'll release it first and call it Missing in Action. And then we'll call the second – we'll release the first one second and make it a prequel. So – because that's canon, and canon – like, they had no problem, like, labeling things because they know where they get their money at. Yeah, that's a that's a big ball of uh of confusion. It takes a whole podcast for itself. They're like, oh, the second one's better. We'll release it first, and then we'll we'll release the first one and say, oh, it's a prequel. Like, I, like, come on, like, you know what though? The, there are some balls there, right, to do that. I think that's funny, uh, but that's what happened. Yeah. So uh, next here we have Caroline uh, Lagerfeld. Uh, she plays April Hamilton. A bunch of uh, episodes of Nash Bridges. Uh, She was in the movie Minority Report. And then she was in the remake of the Poseidon Adventure, which was just called Poseidon. Very, uh, very not good in comparison. Even though Kurt Russell was in it, he couldn't save that film. I mean, he couldn't save a ship turning over upside down by himself. Right. I mean, mean, like, I I love the original film. And he portrays the uh, the character that is Gene Hackman in the original film. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's a it's an awesome uh, like disaster film. But I, I, like, just, I've never seen the Poseidon Adventure. We you've talked oh, about great, it, man. You got to see it. Maybe maybe at some point in the future. I know it's not exactly like you know in our our lanes, but I'd have no problem dipping into some seventies disaster films, right? My God, we covered a Charles Bronson, uh, you know, political espionage film like on this show. Like I'd have no problem getting some some Poseidon Adventure. I think it'd be fun. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so then next year is that. Well, Frederick I have some Kaufman. other. I have some other things for Caroline Lagerfeld. Oh, no, it's okay. Iron Eagle. Got to mention that. Uh, she was an episode of the X Files, um, and the Drew Carey Show. So there we go. Nice. And uh, next is uh, Frederick Coffin. Uh, awesome name. He could be a, definitely in a punk band. Uh, he, he plays Max. He was in Hard to Kill, the Steven Seagal film. I had a soft spot for uh, 90s Steven Seagal films. So uh, he was also in Wayne's World. Yeah, he's Officer Koharski. Yeah. And then a uh, really odd credit, because you know me in horror films, I had to bring this one to the table. Uh, he was in a really strange uh, slasher-type film called Mother's Day. Really messed up. But yeah, he was yeah. in that as well. <laughs> that movie that movie's burned itself in my brain because we rented it when I was growing up. And we got about like maybe 10 minutes in and my mom's like, we're not watching this. And it was one of the few times that she actually hit stop on the VCR. And so it felt at the time, I understand why she stopped it. Cause it was a weird movie and I couldn't process it, but it's kind of like, it has that taboo of like, uh, like not forbidden fruit, but it's just like, I think I'm good. You know? Yeah, no, that was, that was the right call by your mother. I, they did say it's a, it's a hard watch, man. I mean, if, if you know films like I Spit on, I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left, uh, that kind of is in that lane. Okay. But yeah, so, uh, covered yeah. on Joe Bob. So. <laughs> so what you're saying is um, I'm probably okay never seeing it. Like, is that one of those things? Like, like I have a, I also have this uh, rule in my mind of like, you know, once you let something in your brain, it never leaves. So sometimes things don't need to be seen. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need sometimes that dead is better. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's like, there's that line from eight millimeter where it's like, when you dance with the devil, uh, you don't change him. He changes you like, you know, whatever they, they, I'm misquoting it, but it's like, yeah, you let some of this stuff bounce around your head. You're never going to not, not, uh, unremember it, you know? So if, if, un, if unremembering is a word anyway, continue, please. Yeah. So the, uh, next here is, uh, Claire Carter. Uh, she plays Dana douche, douche, do chow do chow yeah, yeah. douche chow that's not right no anyway yes um she she was in blowout uh, yeah that was the only other credit that i could bring <laughs> which we just <laughs> talked about briefly a couple weeks ago i was like holy crap we got a blowout connection all right awesome nice. so and then next is uh john g uh or jo- yeah john g scanlon 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 yeah scanlon uh he plays o'malley uh, other TV work, uh, like, uh, the A team and days of our lives. Uh, mm. but yeah, it's just a lot of TV work. And then, uh, next is Elvin Harvard Har- yeah, Har- Harvard, Elvin yeah. Harvard, which that's, a, that sounds like a made up name. Like Elvin. Know, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I was like, really? Somebody's yeah. named Elvin. That's yeah. pretty badass. But, uh, he plays the guard. This dude has like for his IMDB, he's played either a cop or a guard in most of his, like uh, over 75% of his credits. So, uh, he has a lane, but, yeah, uh, he plays, the only, yeah, the only, uh, credit I had for him was scanner cop Two, which I've not seen yeah. that, but I'm just like, come on, you got to mention scanner cop Two. Yeah. That's the one I was good. I was going to bring <laughs> up, but then, <laughs> um, and then the, the, na- the last, uh, one I wanted to bring to the table here is a very recognizable character actor here. Al Lee long. 
um, he was uh, the proprietor. Um, we'll talk about who this really is in the episode. That doesn't really kind of sum he, up. He who doesn't, he is he doesn't show up till the very end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he was in Twilight Zone, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Big Trouble in Little China. And he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, but lots of, he's a fight choreographer. I mean, just a very yeah. recognizable guy. I wrote like, my notes. This dude. Yeah, I wrote my notes everything. That's what I wrote. Yeah, um, yeah like you mentioned, uh, he was also un- uncredited in They Live, Die Hard, Action Jackson, Lethal Weapon, Savage Beach. <laughs> but also, I love, uh, he was born in St. Louis. I think that's one of those things like, uh, it's like him and all the other gentlemen, um, that, oh, um, we see a lot that was, um, in big trouble, in little China. That was the, the, um, oh, low pan, low pan. Yeah. He's from Minnesota. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. James Hong is, was born in Minnesota if I remember right. So yeah, I think it's great. It's like, like not like, you know, good on their success, but it's like, it's not, not where you think they'd be from. That's what I just, you know, like, I, mean, I guess we're all being like, uh, well, they're also sure. typecasted yeah. as just being like the Asian guys. Like, oh, we got an Asian role. Call up, you yeah. know, call up Al. It's yeah, like, call up oh. J- James Hong or Al Young, right? But anyway, it's just like, yeah, like, it's always good to see these guys. Like, they're awesome, right? So I was stoked to see, uh, even though Al Young really isn't in this episode for like a blink and miss it, pretty much, I was excited to see he was in this because anytime oh. we get to talk about him for a second, it's awesome. Me too, because I, I the dude's a badass too. Mm-hmm. Again, he does fight choreography. And it's like when you see him in a movie, you're like, "Oh no, shit's gonna get real." <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna just keep serving you food, you know. And you're like you don't know what you're gonna do about it anyway. So, yeah, let's get into. Uh, um, so I let me before we get into the misfortune cookie and and proper. Um, let me just say that you people like I know a lot of this stuff is available if you go googling it because there's not really a big push to get this like preserved. Like I, 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 Terry and myself, we have, we were fortunate enough that I, um, that we got the, the DVD collection of the series. So, but there's not a Blu-ray of this. Um, I don't know if people would even like if the powers that be and even put the time in to find the original film to clean it up, which would be a bummer because this was all shot on film. Um, but Paramount doesn't seem to really care about this property of the eighties version of this. Go Google it. You guys can go find this segment. I'm just saying right now, if you've not watched it, you should. I'm not saying it's the perfect segment, but it does take some turns that I would don't want to ruin for anybody if you've not actually watched it. No, that's a good call. I and I, you know, just kind of put it out there. It's like um, I found this a very interesting story, and uh, you know, I'm 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 actually kind of excited to talk about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we get uh, Harry Folger. He is a critic for a local newspaper and he's a food critic. So he goes to a lot of different restaurants and he has a tendency to rip apart these, uh, these establishments. And he, you know, he, he's to the point now where he's like, he's having fun with it. He has a little graveyard that he has put on his desk with matchbooks for each one of the businesses that he has put out bad, uh, yeah. bad criticism yeah. or criticism in general, and they've closed down because of his actions. Yeah. So look, let me speak to that further. One, he has his, it's called Folgers field, which I think, I think that it's a play on something from a sports thing, right? It has to be soldiers. Field, so, yeah. Yeah, probably. Right. Um, but like, you know, like, so it's done like this, but also his office space, 
Uh, he's working in a newspaper, right? Clearly he's a restaurant critic. We'll talk more about his attitude in a second, but it's like, he has like, I don't know. I, I couldn't get a qu good picture of it to like a good screenshot of it, but he has like his typewriter things, but he also has like a little kitchenette in his office. Did you notice that where it's like, he's making like a fresh salad while officer Krahowski talking to him for a minute. And it's like, how pretentious are you that you have to have like a kitchenette in your newspaper office. It makes me also wonder if like, because I mean, it's kind of established here that he will write the reviews without going to some of these places. Like case in point, we're seeing that because of the restaurant that's mentioned on a news program mm -hmm. that he's watching on television and the lady's giving a glowing review of this small Chinese restaurant that she found in an alleyway that he's like, I'm going to make it a point to tear down this place. So he instantly starts writing the review and uh, his coworkers calling him out. Like, you know, that's really unethical for you to do something like that. Like, you're not even going to go to this place and try it. I was like, Oh no, no, no. I'm just going to do this for now. And then I'll try them out later. You know, it's like basically he but, already, he's, he's pre like, well, cause the whole thing is like, I've never given, what was it? What was the line here? Um, oh, I had, I had written here. Um, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't trash the place, but it exposes them. I think is the line. So his whole thing is that like, he's become so full of himself because the readership is looking forward to his reviews. Um, you, you, you and I both, we consume media. We talk about it. Like, and I know, I know sometimes I, I get a little like, well, not a little, I get really like pithy about some of the things I say. However, it's like criticism is criticism. Take it with a grain of salt. But and this is in this day and age where, like, you know, it's in the, in print and it's circulated. I think this is a, like a bigger newspaper that you could immediately like shut down a business with like with one bad review. Same thing with like, um, like movies and, and criticism of the time. It's like he was making his popularity and money off of being that guy that you were waiting for him to tear something else down, you know? And like, and, but it's like, he was almost, he was pre-internet before internet. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. He was the go-to guy. It, it, when when his uh, when his uh, text is put to paper and everybody gets a chance to read it, it's his sole review that is everybody's hinging on yeah. to make their decision. And so, the further we go into this, uh, I, you know, he has that very little knowledge of this place. He starts writing a review, and you said the kitchenette thing. He must. This must be his trend where he just tears apart a place. He doesn't go and eat there. He just makes his own food because that's how pretentious he is. He's just like, ah, forget everybody else's food. I make my own dinner. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, so, yeah. He already had like, he already knows he's not going to like something, which I mean, I get that you're going to have your own, um, preconceived notions going into a place, you know, like, um, I, I was listening to another podcast recently where one of the people talking mentioned that their, their uh, partner, um, we used to be a, a food, like a restaurant critic and they would try their best that if they weren't really feeling the food, they'd try to find something like something positive to focus on in the review. It'd be like a chandelier or something nice about the decor. So like <laughs> Harry doesn't do that. No, no, no he doesn't. He, <laughs> he, he, he has a chip on his shoulder and even, um, even when the news program is on, the lady is also talking about a sandwich shop that she had went to and she really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, 
uh, you know, Harry is actively while the this lady is talking on the on the news program, tearing this place apart. And his buddy's like, dude, we used to go there and used to love their sandwiches. We used to go all the time. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he kind of shrugs it off. Yeah, like, I think he was trying to be like, oh, your TV. I'm I'm Prince. I'm gonna beat you. You know, right. I, I, that's the vibe I got from him. Yeah, again, like, you know, back then, the news came on once, and if you didn't see that segment on the news, then you're SOL. Right. The newspaper is constantly there. You know, you're able to grab a hold of it. Newspapers are such a dying trend now, you don't necessarily go to that for your reviews yeah. so much uh, anymore. Kids, kids ask your parents about newspapers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you line your bird cages with nowadays. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. but uh, kids, so, kids ask your parents about birds. I don't know what that means, anyway. <laughs> So um, we see Harry in the next scene. He's going to this restaurant. And it is it is in kind of a sketchy like alleyway. There's really nothing else around it. And you see the little small Chinese restaurant. So he goes inside. It's a nice establishment. And he uh, he gets a full table of food. That's right. And they're, still, they're yeah. still preparing it on the table. I mean, it looks great. It's, a, it's an awesome spread of food. And then he tells uh, Mr. Lee, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to check. And he's like, is there something wrong with the food? He's like, no, I just want my check. And he's like, okay. So he calls over the waitress to clear the table and that. And they, he comes back to Harry with a, a fortune cookie. And he, uh, Harry says, well, you know, where's the tab and everything? And he's, I'm, the, Mr. Lee says, well, I'm not going to make you pay for a meal that you didn't enjoy. This is, you know, I, I pride myself on good food. And but instead, I'm going to offer you this very special co- fortune cookie in hopes that you come back. And in this, spe- this very special fortune cookie, he gets a I didn't write it down, but it, I'm oh, paraphrasing. I, I, have, I have all of it here. I oh, wrote perfect. All the fortunes, so what right? does it so, say? Yeah. Paul? It says <laughs> a, a, um, um, a grand reward awaits you just around the corner in bed. I'm kidding about the in bed part. <laughs> we do that. We do that with the fortune cookies as well. <laughs> I don't know where that started. I don't know where that started, the in bed thing. But I, I remember in college, my my one friend uh, kept, like, he kept, he, a fortune that he got, something about like, you know, like like honoring your mother. And then after we started making the jokes about in bed, he looked at it again, just like threw it away because he couldn't, like, he was like, I can't, you know, he's like. Yeah, this has been ruined for me. So anyway, yeah. A grand reward awaits you just around the corner in bed. <laughs> yeah. So he he thinks really nothing of it. He goes out into the alleyway, and then he starts reading the, the, the thing to himself again. And that's when we see somebody who's being pursued by guards run into him. And he cowers like a little wuss. <laughs> and It's almost uh, like Peter Parker um, getting confronted by the robber and letting him go. Right. Uh, it's, yeah. and, <laughs> it's almost the same thing, but this guy bumps into him and, and uh, Harry just, just collapses into a bunch of like garbage in the side, which by the way, I like how all eighties uh, alleyways have like um, 15 bags of garbage that you just fall into. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. You're falling into garbage. Uh, but as he, he slows down this person enough that the cops are able to get to him or they start chasing him, but he ends up dropping a bag full of diamonds. Right. And I like that it becomes really ridiculous where the one inspector, like the, the detective is like, Oh, you, you like, these are all the $100,000 worth of diamonds that you thank you for recovering it. These idiots over here, these, you know, these cops that are paid to stop this, 
They're not getting this bonus I promised them. You are, sir. You are because you were a tackling dummy. Here's a thousand dollars because you know it's. It, let me go to my office to give you a reward. It's a really right. weird. It's a really weird sequence. I'm okay with it because it's so dumb. But it's just like, what is going on here? Yeah, it moves the story along, yeah. and you know, and and it it is an event that that uh, definitely a Harry didn't expect to happen. So <laughs> the inspector's like, "Come on, get your reward in bed." No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh the next day uh it's kind of earlier in the day we see we kind of zoomed in on a garbage can and we see that the review of the restaurant actually did hit the papers and it is the bad review that he was going to leave in the first yeah, place which thankfully we're not going to say that review out loud because it is uh racist af as the kids say yeah uh, yeah and uh so so we get carrie going back to the restaurant and the restaurant is now empty. There's nobody in there except for the workers and Mr. Lee and Mr. Lee. he instantly knows you're the guy that wrote the review. You did this to me. He's like, all these people called up today after reading your review and canceled the reservations. Like you're, you're, you're basically just killed my business. And Harry's like, he's apologetic. And he says, um, you know, I, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to make it all better probably by like next week, you know, but for right now I need a table for one. Yeah, which and we didn't even talk about like, let me, let me rewind this back a smidge. You mentioned all the food that he ordered that he didn't even touch it. That doesn't even cover it. Like the table was covered and like, why? Like that is such a dick move. It's like, if, if it's one thing that you're not going to actually order, like, sorry, if you're not going to eat anything, then maybe order like, like one entree and be like, Oh no. But like he orders like, six seven things and like so it's like again so the owner's like okay well you want a table now he does the same shit again like like why are you like like that's that is that that's frustrating like it's just if we didn't already hate harry just i hate him now you know like because he keeps pulling the same shit over and over again of like not eating any of the food yeah he's a real prick yeah and he he keeps on flexing that little bit of muscle he has here too because you know, especially saying that he'll make it better to Mr. Lee and that all he needs to do is write the be better review and kind of re uh, redact what he said uh, prior in his other uh, review. But he, his whole goal here is just to get back to that fortune cookie. So he doesn't eat the food again. He just kind of pokes it around and then asks for the fortune cookie. And in this new fortune cookie, what does it say, Paul? Oh, okay. Let's see here. It says, uh, April arrives today, bringing romance in bed. Yeah, well, yeah, it kind of works there. <laughs> um, but Harry's put off by this because he's like, wait, it's September. How, how is this? No, that doesn't make any sense at all. Cause he's only looking at it from the point of view is like April is a month. Yeah. But then we, we soon find out when he leaves the establishment that he runs into a lady who well, is well because he, he gets frustrated. He's like, I'm not changing my review. Screw you. I'm out of here. You know, like the whole thing he tells, so he tells Mr. Lee, like, Nope, I'm out. Also, I didn't touch your food. And also I have a really shitty mustache. He doesn't say that. But as he's like walking back to his like place of work, that's when he bumps into this woman that um, she's like, I'm trying to find this particular building. He's like, oh, I'm walking there too. Uh, and that's when like, you know, he, talks to her. They have a meet cute type of thing. Right. And then he's like, Oh, can, can I take you out to dinner? She's like, of course. 
And then he's like, what's your name? And she's like, April. And he's like, what? Right. Like it's, but, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it works. Um, so he's like, Oh great. You know, like this is perfect. Now I know that the, 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 uh, the, not, not only that the chemistry works here in this moment because like of the fortune cookie, but this is also still good news yeah, it's, that it's this is bringing for me two for two on the cookies. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, so he, he decides to take, uh, April out to the Chinese restaurant again. So back to Mr. Lee's we go and they have uh, a table full of, uh, food again. And April is loving it. She's eating everything. She's just, she's so excited. The food's great. But she says to Harry, you haven't even really touched your food. Like, what's going on? He's like, well, don't eat too much. I'm going to be taking you to this place where I have uh, reservations later, this bistro up, you know, downtown or whatever. And she's like, I don't know <laughs> about like, that. He's like, like, I have I'm a reservation at a place that's run by five guys. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where his preferences is. Right? It's just like you know. Just but like he's like, I can't have this. I'm going to take you to fancy eats like the Olive Garden. <laughs> right. Um, he's just going to make a salad in his office. And <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, li- listen. I've been leaving the lettuce out all day, so it's going to be nice and warm and floppy, and it's going to be wonderful. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he. He motions to over to uh, to one of the servers or Mr. Lee or whatever, and he's like, "No, no, this is what we're here for." And when they're placed on the table, it's fortune cookies again. He's like, "Fortune co- cookies? Why are these so special?" He's like, "Ah, it's the it's the uh, fortune inside that's the important part. We're, that's what we come here for." And she reads hers, which I'm sure you have that I one do. written down. It, it is a grievous error, and judgment will soon be made apparent to you. Take heed in bed. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I would have read uh, the mustache first on Harry <laughs> before I would. <laughs> yeah, a grievous, there it is. A grievous mustache and, and judgment will soon be made apparent to you. Take yeah. heed in bed. Yeah. yeah. Look up again at this dude. Smug son of a bitch yes. right here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. There should be a smug, like a smug warning for the city whenever he's in town, you know. Um, but yeah, his, so she's confused by it, but then his, he opens up his and it's like, this is where, You're- <laughs> yeah, this is where I feel like this episode is like, okay, like this is getting like, it's a bit much, but it's still funny, but it's like, you could have done, okay, let me, let me go back to, um, Nick of time, right? One of the, one of the original series episodes with, uh, Shatner and the fortune telling machine, the devil headed fortune telling machine, which you so thankfully gifted me a shirt of that. I love that shirt where the fortunes are a little bit like, it's not fortunes, but like, well, yeah, there are fortunes. They're a little bit more ambiguous. Like you could have like leaned into that just a smidge. Right. But this, this one literally reads, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty heavy handed here. Man. In bed. No, 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 but it's just like, holy shit. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So he, Harry gets pissed. He, he, he wants like, I want to speak to the manager. So his name is now, uh, Karen Folger. Right. And he's mad. He pushes one of the servers too. Yeah, he like yeah. pretty much throws him into a table. Like yeah. what the hell dude? Yeah, like chill the hell out. Like, talk about like privilege. Right. But then April's like, I don't know how I feel about this. And he's like, fine, leave or whatever. It's like, all right, well her fortune came true. 
You know, like, so I wrote, uh, April decides to leave. Good on her. Right. So then like Harry like is so pissed. He was like, you know, you're going to write this in a fortune cookie. Like I'm going to die. He's like, I'm going to bring the board of health down here to the restaurant. Right. And he's just like, you know, like I have power. I have like my, my penis is bigger than most, you know, like whatever he, like, that's not <laughs> what he says. But that's, that's the vibe you get. Right. Like, like, um, it makes me, it, it's not the same thing, but it, like when we, when we watched the seventies version of, uh, the body snatchers, I, I get that, like that, that one moment of like Donald Sutherland, like in the, the, the kitchen being like, what is this? And they're like, it's a caper. He's like, no, it's a rat turd. Like, I feel like, I feel like we're like, but he was being very matter of fact where Harry Fogers like, I'm going to make shit up and destroy you, you know? Like, and so he is a very important man and he leaves. And this is where, this is the part of, I'll talk more about this later. Here's the part of this episode that I remember watching as a kid that my memory of it is disproportionate to what actually happened, but it really scared me as a kid. So yeah, it gets yeah. a little bit more into the fantastical part. Um, so he, when he exits the restaurant, he suddenly starts to feel what more or less looks like pain, but apparently he's like super, super hungry. And when he turns back around to look at the other end of the alleyway, there are all of these neon lights pointing to different restaurants, which weren't there before, but there's probably a line of like 20 different restaurants that he could go to, to satisfy this uh, insatiable hunger that he has right now. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, he walks into one of them and is like gloomy, dark. Uh, it's, I, <laughs> It's it's like it looks like it's covered with dust in there. It's really weird. <laughs> it, like, how not to, I'm not going to pay a compliment, but do you remember in um, was it opening day where they like the whole bit like whatever um, the main character was like looking down in the house with all the fog rolling in and how everything yeah. got like really dark and dour. That's what this feels like. Where it's like, oh, oh, you're coming to this restaurant. Yeah, we we are not going to pay for lighting, but there is a fog machine running right now, twenty four seven. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it got atmosphere <laughs> coming out the ass. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's starving, right? Like he had like hunger pains, right? That's the big thing, right? So then he goes in, um, and he he's like you know like ordering everything. He this is finally the first time we see him eating anything, and um, they keep bringing out dishes and dishes and dishes, and he's not he's not satisfied. And, um, this, like, I wish that we would have, this is where I feel like, um, I wish this episode would have been, or the segment would have been like a full length, like, like, you know, 25 minute episode of the twilight zone. Cause I think you could have actually explored this further, but, um, but there's plates and plates and plates being brought out to him. He's not even using utensils. He's grabbing it by his hands. It's very disgusting. And there's this plates of like, Mostly eating food, but not quite just all over this table. It's a very upsetting image. Yeah, he's just scarfing down food left and right. And it's yeah, it's just like the plates are piling up and they just keep on bringing out more and more and more. And finally, he gets to, uh, I, I guess, to a point where he's going to have his fortune cookie again. And when he pops that mamma jam and open, <laughs> it just says, you're dead. And back. No, I know. <laughs> You're dead, like, dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like how he's like, "No, I'm not dead," or whatever. And it's like, 
you know, come on, like on the nose, calm down, you know, anyway. But yeah, so then after he is like frustrated by this, because we have Al Leong, right? That's the, he brings out the the cookie, right? So we have him bring out some of the plates of, of food. So that's what we see him. So we know shit's going to get real. But then um, what what we end up finding is that we end up seeing in his, Folger's Field, his um, graveyard of restaurants he's buried, someone printed a custom matchbook that it looks like a little tombstone that's put in his restaurant review area of his name and his, um, you know, um, years lived. It's, it's an effective image, but it's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understood where they were going with it. It was like a nice little, you know, uh, period at the end of this, this statement here. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, don't, be careful what you wish for, you know, don't be a dick. It's just like, I, I like this. I like he, he got his comeuppings. Yeah. Because, you know, he was a rotten son of a bitch. <laughs> no, for sure. So uh, with that being said, I remember this watching this as a kid. And I thought it was more focused on a bad critic that was, or a critic that was like judging a restaurant and then was brought back. And then he, like something happened where he couldn't stop eating. And it's like it, it almost reminds me like in my mind, right, of um, like the beginning of seven. Yeah. Right, where they find the person that just like was com- like compulsory, like I mean, it was after the fact, right? Or like, um, or <laughs> Monty Python and the Meaning of Life with Mr. Creosote, right? Like, just a thin mint. Like, I remembered, misremembered in my mind that this person was eating to the point of being distended and bloated, but they couldn't stop. And it, it this, this segment really bothered me as a kid, but now in watching it again, I'm like, why did I think that? But I do remember this segment. It's interesting what, um, you know, when you're a child, how certain just snapshots of things can just like really alter your perception of how things are in that. Like I was scared of a lot of shit when I was a kid and now I rewatch some of that stuff and I'm like, what? No, yeah. <laughs> no, I have, I have, um, I still an unhealthy fear of gremlins, like the film gremlins. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I think I've talked about it on the show before. I'm like, that movie messed with me as a kid. And I have a, like, I get really apprehensive. I'm like, no, no, don't feed them after midnight. That doesn't even make sense. Don't do it. You know, anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I thought, thought it, it yeah. might, I thought it might've been the orange juice, uh, making oh, machines. No, no, no. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, the Peltzer orange juice. Thing. No, I think the part of that movie that bothered me the most in the theater, cause I had to leave it. And my mom sat with me in the car while like the rest of my family watched the movie was the bit where, uh, one of the, the gremlins that turned into the bad ones, right? Not the Mogwai, but the gremlins was like eating peanut butter in the kitchen before he got tossed in the microwave. Something about how matter of fact that was, like speaking of Joe Dante, which we talked about earlier, that bothered me so much that I, I, I don't know what it was that really scared me as a kid. And it, it, I, can't, I can't quantify to you why that bothered me, but it did. And I can't quantify to you whenever... I knew the segment was coming up. I'm like, oh, that's going to be the one that bothers me. I ended up watching it. Um, was it a couple nights ago with my wife? And she's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. Like, I couldn't even be like, that scared me because they'd be like, you're a grown ass man. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. You know what I, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. I'm like, I can't explain to you why it bothered me, but it did. You know, like, it's just the, the idea of like, no matter how much you eat and you're not, and, as much as you might feel full, you're still hungry is very upsetting. 
I would just imagine that, like, that you just went hard to the paint, just like still kind of fighting for your honor, being like, "No, that was terrifying," yeah, and it no, still scared I, me. I, I um, I actually uh, took my wife by the wrist against her will to a golden corral. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> There's only one of two outcomes here: you keep on eating and eating and eating, or you're going to get into a fight. Do, do you remember there was the Simpsons episode where a homebird was it got taken to uh, court? Cause like he went to an all you can eat like seafood place and the guy's like, Arr! like talking about like, like there was like, we had a limit and then it's like, and then they asked Marge, like, what did you do? It's like, we drove around town looking for more seafood places, but they were all closed. And like Homer was like sobbing cause he didn't get his fill of seafood. You know, like I feel like, um, yeah, there's something here that like it, man, I almost feel like, I feel like especially in this day and age of like uh, Yelp reviews and social media, this could be updated in a wicked way, you know, like there could be, you could have some really, really like, um, like, uh, black comedy fun with this segment, like this idea. Yeah. I, I, you would totally be able to, I mean, it's, you know, people are still looking for guidance. So, you know, reviews and people that review things and that it's still going to be a thing. So yeah, it's just a matter in how it's handled and how it's updated. I could definitely see this being a, uh, seeing a new take on this. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so in terms of like, what did you think about it? Like, I know we talked about it in full in terms of the story, but like, what did you think about the segment? I, I think it was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, it's nice to see again, like somebody who's being a prick, uh, get their, their just desserts. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. Maybe there might've been some clunkiness to certain parts of it that could have been addressed but all in all i actually enjoyed this episode okay yeah and as did as did i so let me give you a brief by, by brief i mean i'm gonna I'm, uh, run over some stuff here history of the fortune cookie so i don't know how much you know about this i looked it up um i, I use the internets to look it up um the fortune cookie was originally a, a japanese thing that was made uh the, the composition was a little different but the fortune was like put into the the dessert after um, like a little fortune, but then eventually over time, and we'll get into this in a second. Um, this was supposedly, what was it? It was like originally from like, Oh, the big thing was like in the late 1800s when it started becoming a thing uh, in the 19th century. But then uh, coming into America, there was two big uh, different opposing viewpoints of who created the first like modern fortune cookie. There was um, a, a place called uh, the Japanese tea garden in San Francisco that they argued that they were the first person to do it. And they did it in like the 1890s, early 1900s. And then another company, another party called the Hong Kong noodle company in Los Angeles so they invented the fortune cookie in 1918. So, all right. So, so competing uh, things there, right? So, um, uh, you'll find this funny. San Francisco's Court of Historical Review attempted to settle the dispute in 83. So, it's like, is it a San Francisco thing or an LA thing, right? During the proceedings, and I want to see a made-for-TV movie or like a Netflix special about this. I want the intrigue of who had the right to the fortune cookie. A, um, so, while the, this was being, during the proceedings, a fortune cookie was introduced as a piece of evidence with the message reading SF judge who rules for LA, not very smart cookie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <That's> so <laughs> no, but so a federal judge of the court of historical review from San Francisco themselves determined that the cookie originated with uh, San Francisco. And then the city of Los Angeles condemned the decision. <laughs> so I like that. Right. So, but 
Um, but when you think of fortune cookies, though, you don't think of Japanese. You think of Chinese food, right? So um, there is um, a an idea here that uh, what had happened, and this is a dark turn, that they 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 um, changed from being a Japanese American to Chinese American uh, sometime around World War II because of the Japanese internment camps. Since the Japanese were being physically housed away, um, that opened a um, opportunity for other people to make fortune cookies. And then there was actually a, um, oh, what was it? Uh, There's a person that actually made a fortune cookie machine, like an actual process to make the ones that we now know. So that's why it's kind of more associated with Chinese food versus Japanese. So I thought that was fascinating that um, it was a Japanese like cultural tradition. Then there was some debate about whether or not it was like officially San Francisco or LA, which I don't, I think that's all stupid, but because also because America was being terrible against its own citizens, the industry moved from one country of people to another country of people. Right. That gets weird. So then whenever uh, Mr. Lee's like, well, this is a big tradition in my family. I'm like, is it? I mean, this was the 80s, so your tradition goes back 40 years. So I guess 40, is, I think that's fair, right? But where'd that magic come from? I have questions. That's, well, I, I'm not surprised that there is that much knowledge that, uh, you know, kind of went in the dark places about the yeah. fortune cookie. That's so, no, yeah. you know, America. But there's there's no, um, there's no um, part of the Wikipedia page talking about when the words embed got added to the fortunes. So I think we got to uh, get to the bottom of that. <laughs> <In bed. laughs> All right. So, uh, so yeah, I just thought that you'd appreciate a little bit of background on the fortune cookie. Everybody go look it up. It's on Wikipedia. Like I, I probably mangled that, but I was, um, I was interested in knowing that it shifted from one country and culture to another. And there is a historical reason for that. So I thought that was interesting. So anyway, so there you go. Um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the discussion of the misfortune cookie. But before we get out of here, we got to rate that twist. Uh, twist rating, as usual, is one through five. One being we saw it from a mile away, and five being like mind blowing. Um, I'm going to give this to you, Terry, because I'd already seen this, and even though my memory of it is not correct, I did know where I was going. So where, where are you going to rate this? I'll probably give it a three. Honestly, I knew that something was going, something bad was going to happen because of the fortune cookies. Well, the and title, like, right? The title of the episode right. is called the, the segment is called the misfortune cookie, right? So yeah, so that that kind of was like paved. Um, but the 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 fact that he's going to be consuming food for like the rest of his like eternity, uh, I thought that was interesting, and I didn't really see that one coming. Fair enough. So I'll give it a three as well, just in terms of like. It was dealing with fortunes, but also like with the added element of like food criti- criticism. Yeah, like like please, somebody out there. Like it, I, I just I feel like this if we got a third season of the like the newer um, season of the Twilight Zone, there could have been something like really interesting to dig into here, right? Like, and they, I also think this is something that could be revisited. You don't have to actually be like, oh, it's it's a remake of this. I think the idea like you could you could do a take on this and not have to name check the twilight zone. I think it'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So that's going to do it for our discussion about the misfortune cookie. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook um, where I'm posting images of the little people of Clanny woods right now. It's going to get weirder and weirder until you see a, um, a mushroom spaceship, which I think mushroom spaceship opened. I, that sounds like a prog band, right? Like that's, yeah, like they opened band. up for a dream theater. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah oh i liked but i i liked the earlier work better right anyway so <laughs> right yeah you guys can email us email us directly at strange highways podcast wherever you find your podcast rate and review us would be greatly appreciated and terry where can people find us otherwise we're on instagram folks come over there check us out uh you know it's just something that Maybe a lot of people have gotten off of certain social media things, platforms, and that. Uh, understandably so. All we do is post pictures, have fun, and uh, you know we'd like to have some feedback on there. Uh, you know, share some of those pictures with us. Uh, maybe some some stuff that you're looking to, uh, you know, uh, you know, the ones that you really dug. Some of the episodes that you really enjoyed in that. Um, but yeah, so check us out over there and. Uh, come share the fun with us yeah absolutely and if you enjoy this conversation um yeah let other people know right there's so many there's so many watch through uh podcasts now right it's like you know not that not that like we were here first like we were not but there's so many but if you enjoyed this conversation this this is a very particular niche conversation but you know if, if you're listening to it that means you enjoy it that you probably have friends in your circle that enjoy it as well so um, let's just get weird, right? Like recommend it to other people, you know? So there we go. So, um, but yeah, before we uh, finish that, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now Mr. Serling. So next week, since we've officially finished, um, season one, episode 14 of, uh, the eighties twilight zone, it has been a journey people. If you, if you don't recall, we started this in January, it's been a lot, right? So, uh, we're still, we're, we're going to get through. It's going to be great. But we're taking a break. We're taking a smidge, a smidge of a break. We're going to get in some other anthology stuff next week, a uh, uh, little bit before Christmas. There is the Netflix series that came out, the anthology series, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabin of Curiosities, which Terry brought this to me because somebody else mentioned it to him, that there is a Christmas like um, adjacent or themed episode. We're going to get into it. It's, uh, it's episode four called The Outside. Um, I'm excited because this is a, an anthology series that I've not gotten to because I've been bad about watching things, but yeah, let's get, let, let's just do it. Let's get into something more modern. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is a, a awesome creator. Uh, I can't wait to see what he has done with this, uh, this series. And, uh, hopefully it's, uh, is as badass as like everything else that I've seen from his, uh, you know that he's touched in some way or another either directing writing or like producing i just love everything i've seen from the gentleman so i'm i'm sure this is going to be good yeah so you know, i know i mentioned this earlier about like you can find the twilight zone stuff on youtube but this is on netflix so i think a lot of us still have it i think a lot of us are still hanging on hoping for more you know, I like, I like the Netflix is like, Hey everybody, we did this first. They're like, yeah, but we're all coming for you. We're going to, we're going to ruin you. But anyway, so that, this is here. Uh, we're going to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, I don't know. Um, just don't trust fortune cookies. That seems weird to me. And don't insult people without knowing anything about them in bed. You will find happiness with a new love.
Oh, even the Chinese are against me. <sighs> What's the point? I can't fight fate. Hey, we're out of these uh, new love cookies. Well, open up the stick with your wife barrel. <laughs>